who you were five minutes ago is not who you are five minutes from now, right? Mm -hmm. And because of that, that means that everything that you do is a behavior set situation, is an action, and then you become something different every single moment. And so I think it's important for people to realize that optimism is about understanding that although I made mistakes before, five minutes ago, I can change right now. I can know better now and I can make a better choice right. now. Welcome to the Push Podcast. Why push? Because a nudge is just too friendly. And friend, we're here to help you get your shit together. I'm Eddie. And I'm Janelle. And we're the Copelands. We've got three daughters, two businesses, a mortgage, and lots of responsibilities. So just like you, we're struggling to find that perfect balance of ambitious go-getter hustle while still staying present, loving our kids, and working on our relationship. And doing the laundry, going to the grocery store. Oh, and don't forget being mindful. Yeah, mindful all of this. the stuff. <laughs> so if you're juggling all the things, but you're also trying to get to the next level, guess what? You're in the right place. So get ready to be pushed. Hey guys, welcome back to the Push Podcast. I'm Janelle. And I'm Eddie. And this is episode number 39. And we're going to title this, When Your Outlook Just Sucks. <laughs> We've been talking lately about like optimism and pessimism and is it learned? Eddie's actually reading a book. People ask us all the time what books we're reading. So I'll tell you, I'm reading Untamed by Glennon Doyle. And I have a story about a cheetah. I'll tell you that later. But oh Eddie's been reading Learned Optimism. Uh, learned Optimism. Which is interesting because you're already overly optimistic, I think. Yeah, this is for that the pessimist. That sounded so pessimist. <laughs> this is for the pessimistic people I know. I'm trying to find out how to help them. No. Gosh. Um, no, I'm always fascinated on like the kind of the the DNA or I would say the anatomy of how we think and how we operate. And so... Um, this book has been really great, and it's written by a doctor who's done a, a tremendous amount of research around optimism and pessimism. Is it learned, and does it lead to hopelessness, and uh, or helplessness, I should say? And so I think that's one of the things we wanted to kind of discuss today, because the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about a lot of things. We've talked about um, it going from a place of moving your ass and, and taking initiative to a place where you say, am I tired or do I want to quit? Right. right. And, and resting I think, versus quitting. Resting. I think the it's fair to say we've been all over the place, mostly I, me in the last few weeks, because it's been challenging for yeah. me. Right? And so I think what made me think about this and we were discussing this is that I was thinking, wow, you have to have a strong sense of optimism to persevere through certain things, mm -hmm. especially when you're take, trying to take over the world, when you're mm -hmm. trying to make lemonade out of lemons, right? Mm -hmm. um, from a standpoint of, hey, we've been faced with this pandemic, we've been sheltered in place, we have had to close businesses and stuff like that. And and I think the the pessimists in, in people uh, has been very prevalent, but also you can see that the people that are really optimistic. Yeah, I think the people that are being optimistic during this whole thing are like, okay, let's look at the beauty of this. I needed a rest anyways. Yeah. I wanted to go on hikes anyways. Like I can, we started bike riding. We've done a lot of things that have made us optimistic, right? That's, right. Those are traits that we possess. And then conversely, there's been an insurmountable amount of just like BS, I would call it, uh, negativity, like people talking about their freedoms being taken away. The government is ruining your life. And and, you know, hey, everybody has their own opinion. I get it. I'm totally supportive of whatever you believe. But today's podcast is designed to get you to ask yourself, are you an optimist or a pessimist? And yeah. we're going to talk to you about 
the importance of identifying whether you're an optimist or a pessimist because it directly impacts your health. Absolutely. It directly impacts your outlook on life, how you interact with other people, uh, the blessings that you become grateful for, the opportunities that are created in your life. And it's like this domino effect, right? And so I think we all possess a certain level of optimism and pessimism, but this episode is designed to get you just kind of do some self-reflection, self-inventory and see, do you need to be pushed a little more to the optimistic side or are you like living 100% in the pessimistic side? Like where are you on this scale? That's what we're going to be discussing today. Yeah. And before we do, I do have a what in the world. Okay. Yeah. So uh, over the last 72 hours... I've become a victim oh, of harassment in my own house. Uh, I've been made fun of. I've been chastised. Uh, You're I have just been... such an easy mark. <laughs> <laughs> so what in the world is happening to my family? The women you have in my a life, wife. You have three daughters. We're they are very, just... we're innate smart asses. Yeah. I That's have... how our family rolls though. <laughs> like you, when we were, when our kids were little, we always talked about like, Oh, man, you're too soft. You would get so laughed at if you were a kid growing up in the 90s when we grew up because you used to get roasted, yeah, right? Used Your to mama bag jokes, yeah. bagging on each other. Lately, you've been real soft. <laughs> real soft. <laughs> I'm just telling you, I don't know what it is. We're just these sweet women in your life. And, you know, we're just politely like bringing things politely? to your attention oh. and you're all soft all of a no, sudden. No, no, no. I'm not soft. I've been taking it. I've been taking my bumps and my bruises. Right. And now and you're trying to out I, us. It, yeah. <laughs> it has been like, every time I do something, either someone gives me a side eye, someone gives me a smart remark. Well, why don't you give say them... last, last, last night? They said something to me. I don't like... know, sensitive. What did we say? Because <laughs> apparently you remember. I don't remember, but what did we say? That I, hurt your I don't, feelings. You know, it's been so many things. But um, all I know <laughs> is that every joke that normally gets a good laugh is now been met with uh, sarcasm and and just you know poor attitudes. And I'm not I'm really poor attitudes, <laughs> you guys. You just are not laughing at yourself like you normally do. I, I have been laughing at myself. Okay, I'm gonna tell you how this started. I'm gonna just like you brought it up. So now we're gonna do this on air for the people. Eddie has been pretty. Um, What's the word? Accident prone lately? Uh, All right. Okay. So he bends down on our front porch, as he's done a million times to pick up a package from Amazon, and slams his nose into the mailbox. He the immediately no gets upset. Why the F is this mailbox so big? Why is it here? I'm changing this. And it's funny because it's like it's been there for 15 years, bro, and you just accidentally like hit it, and now all of a sudden it's everyone else's problem. So then he spent three days showing everybody his nose that has no mark on it <laughs> and just making it a big deal. So that's you. You've been doing that. Yeah, and then I, I cut my finger, I stubbed my toe, and so I've been bleeding a lot during this pandemic. And He being says the other day he jumps in the pool, you guys, and he's like, damn it, I stubbed my toe. I'm like, on a what? You literally got up from the chair and walked into the pool. How do you stub your toe? <laughs> That's what I said. 
And he's bleeding, but not bleeding everywhere. So he's like, I'm bleeding everywhere, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. You hit your toe on the side of the pool. Like, I don't even know how you do that. You what? stood up, you walked into the pool. Let me ask you something. Let me ask you something. And, and for the people out uh, there, tell me about a time when you stubbed your toe and it bled and it did not hurt. Just tell me. I want to know no, one time. it always hurts. <laughs> My question is, how do you stub your toe jumping into I the pool? I don't know. That's a you problem. The pool jumped up and right. tripped me. That's, the, that's what we've been dealing with <laughs> lately. So I think your what in the world is ridiculous, sir. Um, um, another thing, I can't demonstrate like physically or you know visually for you guys, but you're just going to have to walk through this with me. So Eddie bought these workout bands, these resistance oh, bands. God. And they're the kind that you hook onto the door and close the door, and then you can do tricep pull downs and all of these exercises, right? So he's been just like randomly picking up these stupid rubber bands, super annoying, doing these workouts, like, an, you know, whatever. We're cooking, he'll just stop cooking, go do his tricep extensions, whatever. So apparently I'm at work, the kids are here, Jasmine and Jordan are in the living room. He goes to do the, uh, what was it? What were you doing? I was doing like Your a, back was, I was against doing, the door. I was doing like, no, I was, I extended myself and I was doing like some chest exercises. Right, so your I was back pull, was against the door. The, yeah. And you were doing a chest exercise. So taking with your back facing the door, back taking the door, right. your arms in front of your chest to extend them, right? So that's like yeah. a chest, chest press. Yeah, chest press. And all of a sudden, because Eddie didn't properly close the door, the rubber bands come <laughs> flying at him, you guys, and slap the back of his back like a whip. It, it, it was so bad. I had three... Distinct marks. Three rubber bands. Rubber bands. Plus the little adapter that, that is supposed, to, supposed lock to, to lock the door. I have my hands up doing quotation marks. Uh, and it, it slammed against me full force. They're rubber bands, honey. Yeah. That means that they <laughs> snap, right? Somebody shoots a rubber band at you. That hurts. Yeah. Someone takes a rubber band and it, you know puts I it between it. their thumb and That's their index tragic. finger. And they pull it apart and slap it against your skin. That hurts. Yeah. I'm talking about... And I had... And they, you know, each one of these bands had has, on. has uh, like pounds like of resistance, right? Mm -hmm. And it was probably about 110 pounds. Okay. That's 110 pounds. He's getting upset with me, guys. 110 pounds of, I don't know, G-force okay. coming towards my, my back, <laughs> slapping against my back and putting me on my knees. Okay. So he falls to his knees and immediately, apparently, Jasmine's response, she turns to him and says, do you need ice? And he's like, I don't know what the fuck I need right now. <laughs> but he just got whipped. So then he spends the, the next four, five, six days, now 10 days later, talking about, you know, the marks on his back, which there are none. That's not true. There are no marks on your back. Not anymore. There is no evidence of this. And we're still talking about this. I'm sure if you looked really closely, you could oh, probably see my God. permanent So damage. my question to you is like when a woman gets hurt... <laughs> Like we were just like, okay, I need a Band-Aid. My finger is still bleeding from last night. I haven't talked to you about and it I was at there. all. No, like I cut off half of my you fingernail. You talked to me all last night. All last night? All it. last night or when I asked you to get me the Band-Aids? And you said, all last you said, night? And when I, you said, when you get in You're bed. You're speaking in absolutes no, you, right you now. Said, That's you, a pessimistic trait. When you get in bed, don't slam against my finger. Yeah, you, because <laughs> you're so just like oblivious. You're just like... <laughs> 
You're so rough with everything. So I was like, when you get in bed, don't slam against my finger. That's not me complaining about it. You have talked about your stupid nose. You've talked about these marks on your back like more times than anyone wants to hear, which is why we're now rolling our eyes at you. So that's your what in the world, which I feel like has backfired in your face. And I'm sorry. I love you. Hello, world. I live with pessimists. Pessimistic people that don't care about you. Oh, my God. Uh, but I'm so blessed to have you, these honey. wonderful women in my life that keep me on my toes. And um, But they are mean as shit. <laughs> okay. Now, moving on. So, uh, are you an optimist of, or a pessimist? What are you going to say? Why is this important? I think we have to explain to people that a lot of times people will congratulate themselves and say, oh, I'm totally, I'm so a pessimist or I'm cynical or I look at the, I'm, I'm a realist, a right? And the, and I'm what, so petty. And what I've realized is that, and then you guys, I hope you guys disagree because I think it's good when people disagree. What I realized is that most pessimists will hide behind the fact and say, I'm a realist. Mm, and so mm-hmm. they'll say, they'll point out the difficulties or the negative things out of it. And they just say, I'm just being a realist. Mm-hmm. Where an optimist is sometimes looked at as a person that their head's in the clouds, that they don't see the reality. But science has proven that optimists are more healthy, they have more success, they have better relationships, mm-hmm. and they're able to avoid depression more than a person that is pessimistic. I agree. So and so the reason why we want to talk about this is because we're going through some tough times, right? This mm-hmm. is not easy. And I don't think we're out of the woods yet when it comes to whether the be the economy, the job market, or whatever it is. It's a time now where being optimistic is so important because you have to see the opportunity through, through the difficulties. Mm-hmm. So that's what I was gonna say. Optimists see the possibilities and pessimists see the problems. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important. Like that's your first question. Are you always quick to see the possibilities and the opportunities and like ways for you to kind of create a spin to make things beneficial for you, even when they're unfavorable, right? right? Or are you the kind of person that's always, and we're going to talk, this is a huge indicator that you're pessimistic. You speak in absolutes. Yeah, Things never go my way. Oh my God, my husband always does that, right? right? This is always an issue for me. So pessimists always see the problems. And I can tell you, like, there's so many people I can think of that are really close to us that through this whole pandemic have only seen the problems. And then through talking and kind of getting you get, you know, maybe us talking to them and talking through, then you're able to sway them over to the other side to maybe start moving and getting in action. But today's episode is about like, what's your natural instinct, your natural reaction, What do you do when no one's listening, when no one's judging you? Because we're going to ask some questions and they should be hard to answer, you know, because, you know, like if I answer this, then that's going to give me a point for the pessimistic (laughs) side. Right. But, you know, you have to just say, like, what's my natural instinct? And I think the best thing to do after that is why? Where did that come from? Mm -hmm. Right. And then how can you be aware of it moving forward? So that way, maybe next time. If you care about your health, if you care about how people are viewing you as far as being optimistic or pessimistic, then maybe you can start to make different choices. And I do think that the things that we talk about on this podcast are just designed to give you a different perspective. And that's a lot of the feedback that we see in the reviews. People listen and they'll send us text messages, but please leave a review and let us know. We're looking for you to just have a slight perspective shift because that's really where the growth comes is where you can hear one thing and say, Shit, I never looked at it that way. So let's dive in and let's talk about this today. Yeah, and a lot of times it's just a reframe, right? And so 
you know, and I think it was Winston Churchill that said, a pessimist sees the difficulty in every opportunity, an optimist sees the opportunity in every difficulty. And that is, I think, is huge as we start to think about how does this affect your health, mm-hmm. right? And so right now, when you think about, hey, whether the job market or, you know, the economy or whatever my the finances, case, my finances, my kids aren't learning, my ki- yeah, the government so, wants me to wear a mask, whatever. And so, and so there's three things that really make you a pessimist, right? You think that what is going on right now is permanent, mm-hmm. meaning that like Janelle mentioned. We'll say know, the three things and then we'll talk about yeah, them because so I think they're permanent, super important. Pervasive, meaning mm-hmm. that it's in everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's personal, okay. meaning it's, it's internal. It's your fault. All right. So the first one, it's permanent. It's permanent. So give me an example. So something happens and you say, God, this is always going to be a problem for me. Mm. I'm always going to have a problem with you know my money. So uh, let's talk about your finances. Yeah. yeah so like- Uh, Your bills are late. You haven't found a way to get really good at being comfortable financially. We've been there, right? At the beginning part of our marriage, we were struggling financially. And the thing was, we made a ton of money, right? So we thought, God, we just need to make more money. We need raises. And then I will say that that's a pessimistic attitude because you're not taking things into your control. You're just sitting there hoping and waiting for a raise so that way your situation gets better, right? Right. And so that's like empty hope. Right. Yeah. And and then you become hopeless mm-hmm. and you feel helpless because there's nothing you can really do about it. Right? right. So for me, ironically, one of the questions about being a pessimist is you make everything your fault. But that one's a little gray area for me. We were talking about it because in situations like about your finances, I think it's not your fault, but it's your responsibility. So we right. had to learn oh my God, we make a lot of money. Where the hell does it go? Because if we make a lot of money and we don't know where it goes, what would we do with a lot more money? We wouldn't know where that goes. Yeah, Like no one ever says like, hey, I make so much money and I don't even know where it goes. Great, you're qualified to be the CEO of this company. Mm-hmm. We trust and believe that you know exactly what to do with this company's time, money, and resources. So here we were trying to be CEOs of a company or trying to get promoted, but you're not being a good steward over the things that you have, right? Right. So we started to kind of learn that and say, well, instead of complaining and hoping and waiting and wishing, what could we do to take responsibility around our finances? Because it's not a permanent state, right? Same thing can be true for your health. If you say like, oh God, I'm never, I never stick to diets. Well, you're speaking in absolutes, you're labeling yourself, you're not giving yourself any credit and you might be speaking to what you've done in the past, but it doesn't necessarily mean that that's what you have to do in the future. Yeah. So it's not a permanent state, but oftentimes people make it a permanent state. And I think it comes from cynicism. Mm-hmm. Like you've disappointed yourself and you know that this is kind of your track record. I've heard women say like, oh, I always choose the bad guys. Yeah. Okay. Well, girl, what do you think you're going to do? You continue to pick But think them. about that statement. I always, so personal, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I always pick the bad guy. So not only is it personal, I, I always is pervasive, meaning that I do it all the time, mm-hmm. right? Even when I'm picking friends, I pick the bad guys, right? Right, and and you've making it permanent because of the fact that you now identified yourself as a person that makes bad choices in right. men. And I think that when you think about like that whole part we were having a discussion about whether or not you're taking responsibility or it's your fault. I think that what's important that differentiates between optimism and pessimism is that when something's done, you made a bad decision or your behavior has caused um, the fact that now you have 
you know, suffered financially or you have suffered in a relationship, I think what happens is, is you say, my behavior caused this, mm-hmm. not necessarily I caused this. Right. Because it's my your actions, my actions, my choices. Right. And you guys are maybe thinking, okay, well, that sounds like you're just, you're splitting hairs, but you're not because you, it's the difference between internalizing it and understanding that you're a constantly changing being. Like mm-hmm. you're a person that always is going to change. Who you were five minutes ago is not who you are five minutes from now, right? Mm-hmm. And because of that, that means that everything that you do is a behavior set situation, is an action, and then you become something different every single moment. And so I think it's important for people to realize that optimism is about understanding that although I made mistakes before, five minutes ago, I can change right now. I can know better now and I can make a better choice right. now. And that's how an optimist. So on the flip side of that, optimism is about everything is temporary, mm-hmm. right? So Something happens. It's only temporary. Mm-hmm. It's very specific to this event. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be something that is in everything that you do. Mm-hmm. And then everything is external, right? So I'm bad with my money is because I haven't learned yet how to manage my money correctly, mm-hmm. right? It's kind of an external thing that you have to say, I have to learn how to, to manage my money. It's not that I am a bad person with money. Right. I, am, I have a poverty mindset. Right. So again, this is important because... Uh, studies show that people who are more successful, people who are happier, people who have greater happiness in their relationships, more love in their life, they get depressed less, they make more money, and they're generally just healthier right. in general. Those people are more yeah. optimistic, right? And I, and it was interesting because I was reading in the book, Learn Optimism, and, and he talked about the fact that He broke down how it affects your health, which I thought was very interesting. So tell us. So people that are pessimistic are highly susceptible to depression, which depression is a is interesting because it depletes this hormone, which is hard to pronounce is catecholamine, whatever it's called. Okay. And then it's a depletion of endorphin secretion. And that endorphin secretion affects your immune system. So now you have a depletion of immune system, which eventually affects your your disease chain. So let me get this So all those things are testable through a blood test. I'm sad because something unfortunate happened. Yeah. And then I tell myself, like, I don't know, I'm feeling depressed. So then I'm taking, I'm making this chemical change happen within Mm -hmm. my body. It's depleting me of endorphins, which is the happiness chemical inside of you. And then it weakens my immune system, which makes me more susceptible to disease. Yep. So this is science. Mm -hmm. This isn't like, hey, you should be a positive person, right? Right. And I just want to be truthful with you that I think it's fair to say Eddie is way more optimistic than, than I am and also anybody that we know. You're like so optimistic that sometimes it is difficult because it's like, okay, is your head in the clouds? Are you not (laughs) taking responsibility for this? And that was a problem early on in our marriage was that, uh, and we talked about like, why? Well, I was raised by a mom who was a problem pointer outer. She'd come home from work. This is improperly cleaned. This is in the wrong place. And I didn't have time to think about how it made me feel or whatever. Like, is this, is she being pessimistic? Yeah, she might've been in a bad mood, but she wanted order in our house. So out of survival, I would just react and just do it. And Mm -hmm. we take responsibility we own it, we move on. And then now I know next time, I'm not going to leave that there anymore because she'll yell at me next time, right? Mm -hmm. So with you, I think your mom is just, she's always been super happy-go-lucky. She's super positive. She's really loud. Oh, girl, like just loud. She's like the life of the party. 
I can't imagine her being a problem pointer outer to you all day, every day of your life. And so I think you have inherited an immense amount of her optimism and mm-hmm. just cheer and joy to the point where now you bring us both together. And, you know, there's things like whether it's outside, like, hey, do you see that the hose has not been rolled up? Like you're just walking over it. Can we roll up the hose? <laughs> like that kind of thing. It's like, and then it would frustrate me, especially in the beginning stages of our marriage when I didn't know how to properly communicate things. So I would say things like, you always just walk past things like this, right? Mm-hmm. And yes, it was true, but I was speaking in absolutes and that was a trigger for you. Mm-hmm. You didn't want to be labeled as the guy who always did something. So then he'd say stupid shit like, do I always do it or did I just do it the last five times? Motherfucker, I I, just pick I think it, it up, I think right? I, at one point I said, you know, absolutely to the dark side, that's in Star Wars. <laughs> That's dumb. So that you can see how in a marriage that would drive you nuts, right? So if you say like, my husband never does the dishes, he would say, Eddie would be like, well, it's not true because on March 31st, 2017, I actually did the dishes, right? So don't say never. And I do think that women have a tendency when we're trying to make a point, we will speak in absolute. So I've kind of learned to do that. But there are things that you still don't pay attention to that drive me nuts that you want me to not speak in absolutes Mm -hmm. about, right? But then that makes me feel like I'm being pessimistic. I'm being the bitchy one. I'm always the one that's kind of pointing things out. And, you know, you just kind of have to find a good balance. Yeah. And I think for me, it triggers me because I don't like things to be, I don't like the bad to be permanent. Mm -hmm. And so I don't sit on a mistake or a problem for very long, I get to a place of moving past it like instantly. Right. And so and for me though, I um, feel like if we don't talk about it and like work it out, right. you're going to do it again. And I think that that's where I, sometimes I could be overly optimistic because right. I'm like, okay, that happened. Let's move on. Where sometimes you need to kind of look at it, analyze mm-hmm. it and say, okay, what is the learning? Which is a very optimistic thing to do. Right. But I don't like to necessarily sit in things at all. Mm-hmm. Like I don't sit and dwell on anything, really. Yeah. And that's not something I'm not saying I'm perfect or anything like that. But what I'm saying is, is for whatever it is, whether my childhood, I just never sat on things for very long. I like to think about what needs to happen versus what has already happened. Mm-hmm. And I think that that, to me, is think is important, especially for business, because it's very easy to be the reporter of the problem where the, the, you know, here are the indicators that this is not working. And then you'll find that people that are really good at that don't have answers. Mm-hmm. People that can say, well, this is the problem, this is the problem, this is the problem, this is the problem. And when you say, okay, so what do we do? They spent so much time identifying the problem, mm-hmm. they can't even think of a solution. Yeah, so that's the next question then. Like, you know, if optimists see the possibilities and pessimists see the problems, then This is a statement. Pessimists roam the earth expecting things to turn out worse than they really are. Mm. So, you know, I had a mammogram. It came back irregular. They called me. I can't tell you how many friends were like, oh, my God, it's probably cancer. This happened to my mom, blah, 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 blah. And it's worse when it's you. Like if it were them, I knew that they would be debilitated for a week. I knew that this would fully consume them. I knew that they'd be thinking the worst. And for me, like... There's nothing I can do about it. So if I sit here and anticipate and expect and 
the worst and create all these narratives about, oh my God, I'm going to die. Oh my God, this is stage four breast cancer, blah, blah, blah. It's not really going to serve me in any way because what if there was a mix up? What if it's just a little lump? What if, so in my case, it was like calcium buildup, right? I don't even know what that is, but I had to go do a follow-up and then I had to go do an ultrasound. And then I, and I'm not going to say that there's no worry, but I'm going to say that I don't ever live in the worry because I know that it doesn't serve me. So that's kind of what I want you guys to take out of this is like, where does your thought process go? Does it go to the worst? Great. Why? Does it serve you? What does it give you? And if it's not beneficial, then this episode is designed to get you to think like, okay, what if I were to think best case scenario? Because it's not literally going to do anything for you to walk around for a week and think that you have stage four breast cancer. No, there's nothing good anything, that's going to come from that. If if anything, like you said, it's going to weaken your endorphins, make you less happy, weaken your immune system, and then open up the floodgates for something else. Right. Right. Absolutely. I'm not having that. No. And I think what's interesting is like you know we talk about this all the time, but before we took our trip to Thailand, I could probably say that I had not been sick. For over 10 years. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't have the flu. I didn't have any. Like you, you get a little bit of a congestion here and there mm-hmm. or whatever the case may be. But I literally had never been sick. Mm-hmm. Right. And since that trip, I haven't been sick. Right. right? But and, we tell people like we tell our kids when they start coughing, they're like, oh, I don't feel good. We'll be like, don't give into it. <laughs> give it don't to- give into it. You're fine. Yeah. Say that you're fine. Determine it. Drink some water, you know, or declare it. And we've done that for many, many yeah. years. And we're not sick people. No. And and so one of the things that I learned that they did science on is they did a study and they studied these, basically these war vets and they, they analyzed their letters. So there's about 70 war vets and they wanted to see if they had an optimistic explanatory style, meaning that they saw the world in a very optimistic view or that they have a very pessimistic explanatory style. And they followed their letters and then they followed their life. These guys allowed them to test them and to to be a part of this research. Mm-hmm. And so they were very engaging with it and they did it for a span of about uh, 50 years. Mm-hmm. And what they saw was is that the people that were optimistic after the age of 45, and here's the key thing that I thought was interesting. After the age of 45, how you think about the world plays a big part in your health, mm-hmm. right? Up to that point, you can probably be a relatively healthy, pessimistic person. Mm-hmm. But after the age of 45, that's when it starts to weaken your the, immune system. That's when it starts things and you start to have these elements and things that make mm-hmm. that come up. And so they found that, that these individuals who had this, they were both in, all in the same war, they all did the same things and they followed their letters and they also did a test on them. Mm-hmm. The people that are optimistic, they lived longer, they had less life threatening diseases mm-hmm. or issues, and then they had less depression moments. And here's mm-hmm. the thing about the, being depressed. We all, you could be the most optimistic person. You will always experience some type of sadness at some point. Mm-hmm. But optimistic people move quicker out of that that phase than people that are pessimistic. Mm-hmm. So if you're listening to this and you're saying to yourself, well, I don't know, just look at some of the evidence. How long do you allow bad things to dwell in your mm-hmm. mind? How long do you allow it to envelop your entire life? How long do you sit on those things? And if you find do you become a victim to those things, do you, do you become a victim? And does it change your outlook on life? Mm-hmm. When you see something bad happen now, does it you think that that's always going to be something that happens throughout your whole life? 
Or do you think that that's something you always have to be aware of because it happened once, that means it can happen over and over again. Right. And so those are little telltale signs that you may have a pessimistic outlook and that reframing is so important. And we talk about that all the time. Like when something happens, how do you reframe mm-hmm. so that you get the most out of it? Yep. Right. So what's the second one? The first one's permanent. So we're talking about speaking in absolutes. The next one, the second one is pervasive. Yes, pervasive. So meaning that the things that happen in this particular situation are consistent and they are in general happen in all of your Okay, so the government wants me to wear a mask. This is another thing they're trying to control. Right. That's super pessimistic. Absolutely, because not looking at this as as a specific thing. So Mm -hmm. yeah, maybe... By the way, we've had a pandemic (laughs) 100 years ago. So now 100 years, fast forward, the government saying, stay home. Also, if you leave your house, please wear a mask, right? Yeah, and so people thinking this is just another another one of those things. They're taking away your freedoms, which I have to tell you, just sidebar, if you're one of those people that think that the government asking you to wear a mask to keep others safe when you leave your home, if you think that that's stripping you of freedom, I'm going to tell you something that might hurt your feelings, and I'm really sorry I'm going to say it with love. But you have probably never, ever fought for any sort of freedom then. You've probably, you're probably not black. (laughs) You probably have never had any sort of injustice or inequality that you've faced. So when you sit here and talk about wearing a mask is stripping you from your freedom, I have to tell you it's offensive to minorities. I have to tell you it's offensive to those who have been victims of injustice. I have to tell you just yesterday I was watching a a video of, you know, a young black kid running in a neighborhood who got shot by two white supremacists. To me, that's taking away a freedom, Mm -hmm. right? So wearing a mask, the government asking you, hey, when you leave your house, can you please wear a mask in order for this to protect the safety of others? To me, that's not taking away your freedom. No. But that's a pervasive, pessimistic outlook on one request that the government's asking you to do. Yeah, and so I think when you think about that, an optimistic person would look at that and say, okay, yeah, that's inconvenient. It's hard to breathe. Yeah. No one wants to wear no a mask. No one wants you to run a marathon and, wearing and, a mask. And it, Yeah, and I think the big thing is is that, not to get too sidebar, like that has been politicized from a standpoint where we've made it political now. Right. We're wearing a mask, you're not wearing a mask. But this is not about that. This mm-hmm. is simply about how you're seeing the world. Right. Right. The government, the CDC, everyone, all the doctors are saying wear a mask. Right. Mm-hmm. This is a, a human thing mm-hmm. we've got to do to protect one another. Right. Right. And so we can we're not gonna get into all the science behind that, but the key thing is understanding that this is not one of those other things. This is just a precaution for right now. Yep. Right. This is a temporary thing. And temporary may mean six months. Right. We have to wear these things until until we've kind of get to a place where we've reduced the amount of outbreaks. But you've got to look at this as an optimistic standpoint and say, okay, this is this, this is, is temporary. a short thing short, for a short yeah. time that I'm asked to no do. No one's trying for the to rob me of my, Period. my liberties, yeah. right? This is just about the fact that common courtesy and empathy for the people that have already passed away from this mm-hmm. to say, if we can avoid anyone else dying from this, Let's one just go ahead person and wear matters yep. in this situation mm-hmm. from wearing a cloth ma- mask. To me, that's important. Yeah. But I think that's where it's important. If you're listening to this and you're slightly offended, you got to ask yourself, am I looking at this in a pessimistic view? Yeah. And you're probably sharing it with everyone. You're probably talking about the same things over and over. You're probably infecting other 
your friends and family with this negative, permanent and per- permanent and pervasive pessimistic thinking that yeah. maybe you weren't aware of before this. But Absolutely. the next thing, number three, is personal. Personal. They're so, taking away my rights. Right. <laughs> the, the, it's it's right. all of it. Yeah. Right? Like it's like not only for that example, but like we talked about and just a little earlier, it's about okay, this thing has happened. And it is an indication that I am not good enough. Mm -hmm. It's an indication that I don't have what it takes. It's an indication that whatever happens- So I'll never find love. I pick the wrong guys all the time. I'll never find love. That hits all three. It's permanent. It's speaking in absolutes. It's pervasive. And it's super personal. I never get what I want because I'm so shy. Right. You know, I'm not good at my business because I'm such an introvert. Right. Right. You're like declaring all these things that you know are not good traits to have if you're a business owner or if mm-hmm. you're working, looking for love, right? Yeah, and I think a lot of times, and, and we're giving you examples because these things are very discreet thoughts and ideas that you have about yourself, about the world, that you may miss it. But if you're pessimistic, what you'll find is that you may confuse what is a learned skill thinking it's God-given and you just weren't blessed with it. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're really good at doing that. You're really good at selling stuff because she's just a great communicator. Mm-hmm. I'm just not a good communicator. Yeah. Right? And Again, you leave it- feeling th- like you're the victim here instead of learning how to perform better under situation. Right. Instead of reframing yeah, and saying, situation. God, you're really good at communicating. I'm how really going to work I? on that yep. myself mm-hmm. because I think if I put on this, this type of work and I improve on my ability to sell and communicate- I can do much better in my business, in my career. Yeah, so that was one of the differences between optimists and pessimists is that optimists are always willing to learn. Yeah. You know, hey, I'm not good at public speaking. It's super scary, but I've got to figure out how to, you know, get better at this because I see other people doing it. Hey, I'm not really good at being a business owner. I've never owned a business. I didn't come from a family of business owners, but I'm going to grab some books and I'm going to figure out how to take a course or hire a coach or learn how to do this. That's an optimistic trait versus a pessimistic trait. And there are so many people that we have that we coach that are just like, somebody gives you a motivational quote, then you decide to start your business. Let's say you're going to sell cupcakes or something. And then first week into it, you're already like on the floor. Oh my God, I went through all this. You know, I hired somebody to build a website. I put a logo together. I did a farmer's market and nobody bought my stuff. Oh my God, right? Instead of, Someone who's optimistic would say, well, I can't expect to reap the fruits of something I just planted last week, right? (laughs) Yeah. And so that's really important for you to like recognize and understand that if you're an optimist, generally speaking, you see that there's a long-term game. You see that people are not better than you. They just might have better skills than you. And you know that all of that stuff is available to you. Yeah. And the last thing I'll say- Optimists or pessimists are victims to things. Absolutely. You know, my parents never taught me how to be good at money. I don't have any resources. Nobody can really help me. Nobody knows how to build a website. I don't know someone who could build a logo. Like, I don't know how to get information about participating at a farmer's market, right? Yeah. And so if you find yourself saying things like, well, I don't know how to do that. No one taught me that. No one showed me. You are being the victim. And that is a trait of a pessimist. Yeah. And, you know, what's interesting is they tracked athletes after sporting events and they said, 
for betters, they were like using this science for people to place bets on games. And they said the more optimistic teams win championships more often. Mm -hmm. And they said, how do you measure that? Well, they went and they looked at every interview that the teams did after a win and after a loss. Mm -hmm. And when they asked them what happened in a loss, the athlete from that more optimistic team would say, God, that team, they just really showed up yeah, today. Yeah, they outperformed They us. outperformed us today. We, it's all right. We'll get them in the next we'll, one. We'll get them in the next mm-hmm. one, right? We'll make sure we get better on Kobe, this. Kobe. Yeah. Jordan. They never say, and they said the pessimistic team says, we're just not good at defense. Mm-hmm. We don't understand how to play this game very well. We're not strong, mm-hmm. right? That's what the pessimistic team saw. And they saw that they had a more higher losing percentage mm-hmm. than the optimistic team. So this is something I think is is amazing to really look at. And the crazy thing is, is this is that human beings are born innately optimistic, mm-hmm. right? To think about it like this, you plant a seed in the ground and then you don't know, like this is the first seed ever planted. You have no idea what's going to grow, but you keep coming back and watering it, right? Mm-hmm. That's optimistic, right? And so when you think about natural order, like babies that are born, they're naturally born optimistic. Pessimism is something that's learned. Mm-hmm. It is taught by our parents. It is taught by kind of the conditioning of how our society and, and with the society that you're living in. And when you learn that pessimistic style, you adapt it because you're seeing evidence and when it's correct. Right. Right. And we all know that more times than not, things are not going to work out the way you want them to work out. And so if you're leaning on that as the story of your life, you're going to probably be more yeah, pessimistic. Yeah, that's called defensive pessimism. It's when you're like calculating all the negative things that could happen almost to be right. Like, yeah. see, I told you I was right. See, I told you that there's no good men out there. Right. All right. Well, there you go. You just made yourself right. Here's some permission to be wrong. Right. And that's just super pessimistic. Yeah. Because so, I don't know what if getting you right gets you nothing sometimes. Yeah. Is being there a right awards gets you ceremony nothing. for being right? Like, no. Gets, someone say, You're hey, right. This is the right. There awards. are no good men out there. <laughs> good job. Here, you get the crown. In our annual You Were Right Award, you win the <laughs> <laughs> award for getting it right about not having good mm-hmm. men out there. But yeah, those things are, it's interesting. And it's also something I think that we wanted to share with you guys because I think we have to show you that. There's a reframe out there. If you are overly pessimistic about the way the world is right now, there's a reframe that's necessary to one, keep you healthy and to two, to help you get through it. Yeah. And to change the outcome of how you're going to come out of this. Right. So here's a couple questions. Just yes or no. Let's try to get through these. We don't do anything fast. Do you view most things are your fault? I'm going to say no for you. No, but I do see them as my responsibility. Okay, same. And I think the difference is because you're willing to do something about it. Okay. If you weren't willing to do something about it and you said it's not my fault and you don't do anything about it, then you're neither one optimistic or right. pessimistic. You're just not taking ownership. Okay, number two, do you have an all or nothing thinking? I'm going to tell you, I'm all or nothing. Like not in a negative way, but I'm like, okay, I'm going to go all in. I get obsessive about mm. things. But I also am not attaching like a meaning to like, okay, that didn't work. That makes me a failure, right? Yeah. So it's kind of a confusing question. But if you say all or nothing, I think that they're referring to absolutes. Mm-hmm. Like if I go all in with this new guy that I'm dating on this time in my life, if it doesn't work out, then great. There's another failure. And that's, that's a really kind tough of, question. That is. Yeah. Are you an all or no- mm-hmm. nothing person? Got it. Yeah. Okay. Number three, do problems become catastrophes? No. no, not for us like ever. If a pipe busted, it would just be a temporary huge inconvenience, yeah. but we would get through it. Right. 
So catastrophes, I think, are things that can't be changed. Like Mm -hmm. it'd be a catastrophe if I lost you. Mm -hmm. I think I would probably lose my mind. But anything other than like death, I think we could overcome, we could get through, we could learn from it, we could pivot, we could take some ownership, we could use it as a tool for growth. Right. Okay. That's a big one though, because so many people I know blow things up out of proportion. It's like, girl, if you spent less time making a big fucking deal about this, you could be doing so many other things, right? Yeah. So I just don't have time to make things a catastrophe. Number four, are you a perfectionist? I will tell you, I'm a recovering perfectionist. (laughs) There are things I don't think you should do half-ass things, right? But I don't think that that makes me a pessimist. I think that it could turn you into a pessimist if nobody does things to your standards. Yeah, I'm not, a, I'm not a perfectionist. You're not at all. I don't think I really <laughs> know how to do certain things to make it perfect. Mm. And I don't think that's pessimistic. I think that it's... And I, we've struggled with that because I think it's half-ass. Eddie has this saying I have to say, in my brain. Better than perfect than perfect is ever done. What? Is what? You don't even know. To me, it's like, I just do it if it's half-ass. It's better done than not done at all. Done and I be- think it's so ridiculous. No, it, the way it said is done is better than perfect when perfect's not done. Yeah, that makes sense. But done is better than perfect and period, not good. Like, that's not good. <laughs> that's caused some problems with us. Okay, number five, do you have a hard time accepting compliments? I have so many friends that are women that... You could say, oh, my God, you're looking really good. Oh, my God, I had a burrito last night. Okay, shut up. (laughs) Take the compliment. I will tell you it's super pessimistic if you do not know how to receive a compliment. It makes me want to gouge my eyeballs out. But also, you don't understand that you're insulting people for having bad judgment. I am a giver. Like I want to make sure that I'm pouring into your life. And when you're like, oh, God, this old thing or, oh, this is and you don't accept the compliment to me, it's super selfish and it's super negative and pessimistic. And all of the friends I know that don't do a good job of accepting compliments, they are also the same people to say there are no good men out there. You know how guys are. Oh, my God. Like, I I hate to I'm not going to call you out, but you have a pessimistic outlook on life, which is why you don't have a good man, which is why Mm. people don't know how to compliment you because you don't know how to take them. So don't creating it. Oh, it drives me bananas. I still love you, but it drives me crazy. Number six, do you seek the approval or opinion of others before acting? Uh, I mean, no, no. Okay, next one. Do you tend to overgeneralize? That's speaking in absolutes like we talked about. Like, Yeah, I'm um, very, very specific. If something is yeah. wrong, I look at that specific thing, it's isolated. He's like, three times now you've done this. Yeah. Where I might say, hey, is this a habit? Can you not keep doing this? <laughs> That's the difference in our language, right? Yeah. Okay, number eight. Do you focus on the negative minutia? Mm-hmm. Like the noise. Mm, the, no. Yeah, I don't. No, I... I don't even like when I see like negative things happen. I don't like watching it. I don't want to like when social media, when things get negative, I'm just like, ah. Yeah. So if you said yes to any of these, uh, if you said yes to four or more, then you're a pessimist. You got to get shit together. (laughs) All right. So here's some tips to becoming an optimistic optimistic person. Number one, avoid catastrophic thinking. Don't blow things up. Don't use things like awful, disgusting, horrible, 
all the time. Like just if you're really exaggerative, is that a word? If you exaggerate yeah, I think things, yeah, there you go. Yeah, then that makes you more pessimistic. It turns it into a catastrophic thing. And you you need to stay away from that. Number two, give yourself credit for your own success. And take the freaking compliments. Mm-hmm. Number three. I'm really good at giving myself pats on the back. Yeah, I'm, you are. I'm a little just... too much, actually. <laughs> the pessimist in me. He's like, oh, did you just give yourself a cookie for that? Like, that's just, you woke up, bro. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> you are funny. Uh, be persistent and act as if you are an optimist. So that's a really good key thing, yeah. I think, for shifting your behavior If you're persistent and you're acting as though you're an optimist, don't do it as a smart ass, though. Mm -hmm. I know some people that are listening to this and they'll be like, oh, people are just so rude these days. They don't hold the door for you. No, I think that one guy right there, he's rude. He didn't hold the door for you, right? And so I'll make a comment like that and then... This has happened, actually. And then the person next time will be like, oh, people are so rude. Well, most people are so rude. Like, that doesn't make it better. It's still your initial thought, right? Right. So changing and working on the repetition of choosing a different thought and asking yourself questions, I think, is how you get there. So if the first thought is people are so rude, you have to ask yourself, am I speaking in absolutes? Is it true that all people are rude? No. No. This person's rude. Maybe the person yesterday was rude too. Yeah. But all people are not rude. I gotta tell you, it drives me crazy when people say, Oh, we live in such a dangerous world. Oh, the world is so corrupt. Oh, and I go, No, it's not. Because yeah. most times you get up every single day, you get back in your bed that same night and, and you're nothing's safe. Ha- and you're safe. Yep. You walk if it, if the world was dangerous, every time you walk down the street, you would be thinking, Oh my God. Am this- I gonna lose my life today? Right. And and that's not the case. The yeah. reality is is that more people are nice, kind, willing to help. And yeah, do we have bad apples? Yeah, we have yep. to. Otherwise, we wouldn't even recognize the good people. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and I like when people say that I think of this, it's going to sound so stupid, but like we drive on a highway yeah. and we're separated by lines that are painted on a street. If the world was really that bad and people were terrible and malicious, they would just ride in your lane head on and they would just be murdering and destroying people. But think about that. We have millions of cars in California, millions of drivers that stay on the right side of the street, that do what they're supposed to, that for the most part, abide by the laws for the safety of others. So if the world was really a terrible, unsafe, tragic place, just think about the the freedom that you have to make the choice to cross over that line when you're driving on the highway and you could just be mass murdering people all the time. Absolutely. So that's just something small and silly to think about. But I hope this episode was insightful for you. I hope that you're going to take some- uh, yeah, I do I hope, hope you it heard, triggered I you. Hope, I hope we use examples of things that you've said mm-hmm. that affected you so that you think about them. Because if I, you I think there's no good men, it's likely you're not going to find a good man. Right. So if you don't change that pessimistic thinking to more learned, optimistic thinking, then you're probably going to be lonely yeah. going forward. And I don't wish that upon you, but I just hope that you choose a different reframe so that way you can attract more optimism, more opportunities more love, more happiness, so that your endorphins stay active and alive and activated so your immune system is healthy. So this is about health. This is about making you better. And we hope that you continue to push through. Have a good one. 
Thank you for listening to the Push Podcast. Hey, we want to hear from you. So if you have a question or there's a particular topic that you want us to tackle and you want us to help you push through, you got to do something for us. You got to go to Apple Podcasts and you got to leave a rating and a review. And in that review, go ahead and leave that question with your Instagram handle so that we can shout you out when we actually answer the question. And we'll talk about that on the podcast and make sure that, hey, this particular podcast is made for you. So leave a rating, leave a review. You leave your handle and until next time push through